I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Welcome to this podcast of The People's Pharmacy. You can find previous podcasts and more information on a range of health topics at peoplespharmacy.com. Hypothyroidism is one of the most common hormonal disorders. Why doesn't standard treatment work for everyone? This is The People's Pharmacy with Terry and Joe Graydon. When your thyroid gland does not work properly, it affects every cell in your body. That can cause a wide range of symptoms, including fatigue, brain fog, constipation, and feeling cold. Dr. Antonio Bianco, former president of the American Thyroid Association, explains why some people continue to feel bad even when they're taking their medication. He also offers new ways of testing and treating thyroid problems to alleviate lingering symptoms. Coming up on The People's Pharmacy, rethinking hypothyroidism and its treatment. In The People's Pharmacy Health Headlines, could vitamin D supplements help protect people from the worst outcomes of COVID-19? Randomized controlled trials over the past few years have been inconclusive. Scientists conducted an analysis on pooled data from five such studies. People who took vitamin D supplements were less likely to need ICU care. Researchers conducted these randomized controlled trials because vitamin D has anti-inflammatory activity. In addition, supplements appear to reduce the likelihood of other respiratory infections. By combining the data from the five scientific studies that met strict criteria, the researchers determined that vitamin D supplements reduced the chance of cytokine storm and the probability of a patient needing intensive care. Although the chance of death from COVID was cut nearly in half, the investigators say further studies are necessary to determine whether vitamin D was really responsible for improved survival. There's more good news about vitamin D supplements. A study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine this week reviewed data from three randomized clinical trials. People who had been diagnosed with prediabetes took vitamin D supplements or placebo. There were roughly 2,000 volunteers in each group. Those individuals taking high-dose vitamin D supplements were less likely to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes after three years. The optimal effect occurred in people taking 4,000 IUs per day. Participants who maintained 25-hydroxyvitamin-D blood levels of at least 50 nanograms per ml reduced their three-year relative risk of developing diabetes by 76%. Drug companies spend billions advertising prescription drugs directly to consumers. The U.S. and New Zealand are the only countries in the world that permit this kind of pharmaceutical promotion. A new study in JAMA compared the effectiveness of advertised drugs to the advertising budget. The authors concluded that, in general, companies spent more money promoting drugs with less clinical benefit than for those with higher clinical benefit. This paid off. Higher advertising budgets resulted in greater sales of medications with lower benefit. Creating consumer demand through advertising appears to drive prescribing of drugs that doctors probably would not prioritize. Pharmaceutical manufacturers are now spending a large proportion of their promotional budgets for top-selling drugs to patients rather than physicians. It's also possible that such direct-to-consumer advertising also influences physicians. Perhaps it's time for prescribers to pay more attention to clinical benefit rather than TV commercials. Older people frequently end up taking a number of prescriptions and over-the-counter medications. As they accumulate conditions, they may also add to the number of drugs they're taking. This, in turn, increases the risk for side effects or interactions. A group of researchers recruited older patients on five or more drugs between 2016 and 2020. As the patients left the hospital for a rehab facility, the scientists randomly assigned them to patient-centered deprescribing or control. Pharmacists and nurse practitioners reviewed patient charts and interviewed the patients to identify medicines that the patient might be willing and able to do without. 
They recommended action and monitored prescribing after the patients transferred to the post-acute care facility. This intervention was safe and effective. It resulted in a significant reduction in the number of medications that patients were taking once they got home. Most importantly, they were taking fewer potentially inappropriate medications. Reducing the number of drugs did not trigger adverse events, hospitalizations, or increased deaths. Hypertension has been linked to cognitive decline and dementia. Researchers wondered whether reducing blood pressure and cholesterol with a polypill containing atorvastatin and various antihypertensive medications would improve outcomes. To their disappointment, they found that reducing blood pressure and LDL cholesterol with medications over five years did not demonstrate a protective effect on cognitive decline compared with placebo. And that's the health news from the People's Pharmacy this week. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy. I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Hypothyroidism is surprisingly common, affecting over 20 million Americans. In this condition, the thyroid gland does not produce an appropriate amount of thyroid hormone. This leads to a wide range of uncomfortable symptoms and some serious health consequences. Treatment is thought to be simple, but not everyone responds to the standard therapy. What can people do if they still feel bad while taking their prescribed medication? To help us understand the complexity of treating hypothyroidism, we turn to one of the country's leading experts. Dr. Antonio Bianco is professor of medicine and a member of the Committee on Molecular Metabolism and Nutrition at the University of Chicago, where he runs a laboratory funded by the National Institutes of Health to study thyroid hormones. Dr. Bianco is a former president of the American Thyroid Association and author of Rethinking Hypothyroidism, Why Treatment Must Change and What Patients Can Do. Welcome back to the People's Pharmacy, Dr. Antonio Bianco. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Dr. Bianco, a lot of your colleagues endocrinologists, family practice physicians, internists, they, they, they think that thyroid disorders are easy to treat. Why is that a mistake? Well, the most common disease of the thyroid gland is hypothyroidism. And uh, it is true that uh, for the last 50 years, we have been treating patients with hypothyroidism with the daily tablet of uh, what's called levothyroxine. And the dose is easily adjusted. And usually we tell patients, come back in six months, come back in a year. And this is sort of very straightforward to the point that it doesn't have to be even treated by an endocrinologist. It can be treated by a primary care physician, a gynecologist, a geriatrician. I mean, most uh, internists can treat hypothyroidism. But... You suggest it's not as easy as that. That's right. It's, uh, and that has been a mistake that we did. And in the last 50 years, again, uh, we assumed that once we achieved the dose of this magical drug called levothyroxine, patients will feel without symptoms, would be relieved of their symptoms. And in fact, it is true for most patients that uh, we estimate that about 80%, maybe 85% of the patients uh, are treated with this approach and they feel fine. However, we do have a substantial number of patients that it seems small, 15%, but hypothyroidism is so prevalent. We have about 20 million uh, people living in the U.S. with hypothyroidism. So if you've estimate about 10, 20%, we're talking about three to 4 million people. And for those individuals, treatment is not as straightforward. Even though uh, they, the doctor thinks that the, the treatment is okay, it's as it should be, 
they remain symptomatic. They still have symptoms. Dr. Bianco, we have been hearing from people with hypothyroidism for decades ourselves. They write into the People's Pharmacy or they call and they say, I am taking Synthroid or Lavoxyl, one of those T4 drugs, levothyroxine, and I still feel awful. I still feel tired. I still feel cold. Women still say I still am having problems with my my menstrual cycles. Uh, many people say I still can't lose weight. In fact, I keep gaining weight even though I'm trying hard to lose it. Um, they 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 have many symptoms, and they don't feel good. And they say my doctor doesn't seem interested. Well, not only that, they say, my doctor says I'm doing great. My, my TSH level, this, this monitor for my thyroid, is perfect. No problems. Be happy. Don't worry. In a nutshell, you capture exactly what the problem is. That's exactly right. And so the, what we think is the problem is that these uh, centroid or levoxyl, the they contain this molecule called levothyroxine, which is the thyroid hormone. And levothyroxine is not active, meaning when a patient takes a tablet of levothyroxine, levothyroxine by itself cannot relieve symptoms of hypothyroid. Ooh, it it think, just doesn't do anything. I think that's a really important point that isn't yes. adequately appreciated. Say that's it correct. again, please. Yes. The substance contained in those tablets, either levoxyl or centroid or any generic form of levothyroxine, it's not active. It's a dead molecule. And we rely on our body to take that molecule and activate, to process it, to transform it into a molecule that is biologically active, meaning can relieve symptoms of hypothyroidism. And some of us do their job very well. Unfortunately, some of us don't do that. And those individuals that remain symptomatic, uh, we believe they have a, a sort of a problem in activating the molecule, the T4, to this other molecule called T3. And so they live in a state of chronic T3 insufficiency. And it so happens T3 is the molecule that relieves symptoms of hypothyroidism. Perhaps we could take just a moment to review the physiology of the thyroid gland. Why is the thyroid, and in particular, that active form, T3, so crucial to every cell in our body? The thyroid mostly makes T4, which again is this molecule that is not active. But T4 remains in the circulation, in the blood. A little bit of T4 goes into the cells. Most T4, T4, it's in the circulation. Now, once T4 gets into the cells and tissues and organs, T4 is rapidly activated to T3 so that Inside that organ, T3 can act and relieve symptoms of hypothyroidism. Now, when doctors look at the TSH, and you mentioned TSH, TSH is this hormone that controls the thyroid gland. Uh, TSH likes to see T3 in the circulation within the normal range, so that if you have a healthy thyroid, the TSH controls the thyroid gland to the point that T3 in the circulation is normal. Now, when a patient has hypothyroidism and we give the patient T4, only T4, and rely on the TSH to estimate how much T4 we should give, then the system gets confused because TSH regulates the T3 levels in the circulation, and yet we're giving a lot of T4 to the patient. Yes, we can regulate TSH with T4, 
but it's not the same as having an intact thyroid. And that has been the mistake we've done over the last 50 years. We relied on TSH and treated patients with only one hormone. And all along, we needed two hormones to treat these patients. I mean, we, we believe that this T3 insufficiency should be fixed by adding a second hormone to the treatment. Now, Dr. Bianco, uh, a little bit of um, personal information here. I am one of those people with hypothyroidism. I have had it since 1974. I am part of your 80% of people who actually feel pretty good on T4 alone. So I've been taking Synthroid all these years. When I go to my physician for a checkup and she orders a blood test to see how my thyroid is doing, the only thing she's looking at is TSH. Is that a problem? When, when Joe gets his blood tested for his hyperthyroidism condition, his doctor is looking at T4, T3, all kinds of different thyroid hormone levels, not just TSH. That is a problem. And that is part of that, that. I think that's a big part of the problem. We got used to just looking at TSH to adjust the dose of levothyroxine. And we were missing the big picture, which is a relative T3 deficiency that these patients experience. And, and you're right. Some patients or most patients can, can cope with that. You know, they, they just uh, uh, don't feel bothered by that. But there's a small minority that uh, whoa, those whoa. symptoms Dr. are really important. 15% is not a small minority. I mean, yeah. you've, no, already, you've already said over a million, maybe as many as no, two or three correct. million. This is oh, yes, not a minority. Percentage-wise, yes. Percentage-wise, yes. But it, it is a vocal and it's a, a very important minority. What else should doctors be testing for besides TSH? Uh, T4 and T3, we, if, if they have to control. The purpose of the treatment of hypothyroidism has been to normalize TSH. And uh, I advocate for it that we have to look at T3 levels because T3 is the hormone that relieves symptoms. T3 is the hormone that actually do things. And uh, uh, we should be looking at normalizing those levels. You're listening to Dr. Antonio Bianco, professor of medicine at the University of Chicago. He's a member of the Committee on Molecular Metabolism and Nutrition there, and he runs a laboratory that studies thyroid hormones. Dr. Bianco is a former president of the American Thyroid Association and author of Rethinking Hypothyroidism, Why Treatment Must Change and What Patients Can Do. After the break, we'll learn about the symptoms troubling some patients even though they're being treated for hypothyroidism. Low energy and brain fog are not very specific. What should make us suspect they could be due to thyroid problems? Dr. Bianco is challenging the usual approach to hypothyroidism. How are his colleagues reacting? You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is made possible in part by Cocovia, maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements. Cocoflavanols are among the most well-studied plant-based nutrients, backed by 20 years of scientific research. Cocovia Cardio Health is available in capsules or powder, providing 500 milligrams of cocoflavanols daily. This supports better blood flow and vascular performance. Cocovia also offers Memory Plus, a supplement with 750 milligrams of cocoflavanols. This product is backed by four different clinical studies, demonstrating significant improvement in several aspects of memory. Cocovia flavanols offer you all the benefits of chocolate without the sugar. Get 15% off your order by using the discount code PEOPLES15. That discount code, PEOPLES15. More information at cocovia.com. 
Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia, maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements that support cognitive and cardiovascular health. More information at cocovia.com. And by Gaia Herbs, focused on purity, potency, and transparency through its Meet Your Herbs platform, tracing the origin and DNA of each product. Connecting people, plants, and planet to create healing. More information at GaiaGAIAHerbs.com. For decades, doctors have assumed that treating hypothyroidism is relatively easy. Normalizing TSH levels with synthetic thyroid hormones seems straightforward. Now, however, researchers are discovering it can be more complicated. We're talking with Dr. Antonio Bianco, professor of medicine at the University of Chicago, where he runs a laboratory that studies thyroid hormones. Dr. Bianco is a former president of the American Thyroid Association and author of Rethinking Hypothyroidism, Why Treatment Must Change and What Patients Can Do. Dr. Bianco, a lot of people and you've already identified 15 to 20 percent of people with a a sluggish thyroid gland as having trouble converting T4 to T3 in their body because we won't get into the weeds, but there's an enzyme issue. We will get into the weeds, but not just yet. Not just yet. So when, when patients complain that they feel crappy, that they just don't feel good, what are the symptoms that they're complaining about And what should they do when their doctor says your TSH is normal, you need psychological or psychiatric assistance? Yes. And and I actually said that many times to my patients, unfortunately, I regret that. So we asked about 6,000 patients, what do they feel that when they, they feel lousy? And the number one symptom is low energy. They feel tired and they just don't feel motivated to do anything. That's the number one. Number two symptom is in the area of cognition. They feel the memory impairment. They feel confused. They feel difficulty in making decisions. And uh, I, sometimes they complain of difficulty sleeping. So those are the, the, the most important areas, cognitive, cognition and low energy. But you know what your colleagues would say, Dr. Bianco? Those are very general complaints. Half my patients complain of low energy and brain fog. So why, why should we think that there's a problem with their thyroid? Well, because now we have solid data that shows it, it, you know, unquestionable data showing that in fact, those symptoms can be associated with what we call residual symptoms of hypothyroidism. You're right. The symptoms are common symptoms and the, the doctor's job is to examine the patient, talk to the patient and say, yeah, in fact, these symptoms we believe are most likely associated with menopausal syndrome, for example. Or, you know, you have some uh, uh, anemia, your, your blood count is low, so that could be result causing these symptoms. At the same time, once all those other explanations are excluded, and then the conclusion is most likely these symptoms are associated with what we call residual symptoms of hypopyroidism. And then we have to act and do something about it. Now, that's where the rub is. Because up until now, what doctors have done is adjust the dose of T4 so that the TSH is normalized. And as we have all just recognized, that doesn't take care of the symptoms necessarily. So what can doctors do? And more to the point, what can patients do? Well, patients need to find a doctor that's open to an alternative treatment. That's number one. And I, I realize that I, I'm not sure if most doctors, but a large number of doctors just don't want to deal with that. 
So my opinion is that after a frank discussion about the subject, if the doctor is not open for an alternative treatment, the patient should look for another doctor. Uh, there are websites from, for example, the American Thyroid Association that will have lists of hundreds of doctors that specialize in thyroid disease. And the patient should call these doctors and say, listen, this is my problem. Uh, are you open to explore residual symptoms of hypothyroidism with me? Are you open to that? Because if the, pa if the doctor says, no, I don't have the time to that, then just move to the next doctor. And so once the patient finds a doctor that's open to explore this and help the patient, so the, the orientation from the American Thyroid Association is that a trial of combination therapy can be started. It's a trial treatment in which the patient is going to receive the second hormone, so T4 plus T3, for a few months, maybe up to six months, maybe even longer. And during that period, the symptoms, the residual symptoms will be explored. And the hope is that those symptoms will be minimized or eliminated uh, completely. Now, Dr. Bianco, your colleagues, endocrinologists, family practice physicians, internists, They've gone to medical school and have been told, for the most part, that all they really need to do is test for TSH and prescribe T4, levothyroxine. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. along comes Dr. Antonio Bianco and says, wait one minute. What you've been told may not be true for all your patients. It may be true for 80%, but not for everybody. And we have guidelines. And here you are challenging the guidelines, the experts, uh -huh. the professors. How have you been received by your colleagues? Well, I mean, I think that I've been in this field for about 40 years. So the, the uh, people know me. People know the seriousness of my work. I've been funded from the National Institutes of Health through at least the last 30 years. And uh, I think I've been, I, I honestly, I, I was expecting more skepticism, but I think I've been very well received. I've been speaking every month, at least, maybe twice a month, to different groups of endocrinologists across the United States. And I have been well-received, and I think that people are discussing this openly. Uh, because you're right, maybe 10 or 20 years ago, we would not even dare to say that patients uh, could have residual symptoms once the TSH has been normalized. It, this was like a taboo in a thyroid meeting to talk about that. And now this is constantly being discussed in the open and it's very well received by the different societies. Dr. Bianco, you have just alluded to the idea that you used to accept this dogma that what you need to give is T4, what you need to track is TSH, and now you have changed your perspective. What Was there a patient or two patients who changed your mind about this? Can you tell us how you came to shift the way you look at thyroid disease? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was in Miami. I was seeing patients in my clinic at Universal Miami. At that time, this was about 10 years ago. When I saw a, a, a teacher that she came to me and said, I lost my job. Uh, I, I had a thyroid nodule. I, I underwent a total thyroidectomy, so my thyroid was removed. I was placed on levothyroxine, and my brain just could not function anymore. And as a result, I couldn't continue my activities as a teacher, a high school teacher. And I did the, what I always do. I mean, I, I checked everything. Everything was okay. Her TSH was normal. So I said, well, there's not a lot of, I can do for you right now. Uh, now, 
up maybe three weeks later, I had another teacher come with the same story. She had Hashimoto's. She didn't have a thyroid surgery. But it was the same thing. She, again, she quit her job because she couldn't uh, continue uh, with her activities. So at that moment, first I checked, are they coming from the same school? No, they were not. Uh, and I was, you know, so surprised that two teachers with the same story would come to me. And I realized that there was something wrong with the way I was treating patients with hypothyroidism. So because I'm a scientist, I, I have a laboratory working with thyroid hormones. Uh, I shift my research towards trying to understand what was going on because I couldn't believe those two teachers were just making that up. And that was the moment that I, I started focusing on that question. What is going on with the, with the current treatment of hypothyroidism? Now, can we, can we talk a bit about what is going on physiologically? Why are some people not doing a good job of converting T4 to the T3 that they need? Well, we, start, we only started to understand this problem. So we don't have all the answers right now. But we do know that there is a genetic polymorphism, in, uh, which is sort of a small, it's a small change in one of the enzymes that convert T4 to T3. And that difference is very common. About half of the population have that difference. But when you have a healthy thyroid, Remember, the thyroid is there to keep a normal T3 in the circulation. So if you have a defect in your enzyme that converts T4 to T3, that's not a problem because we have shown that the thyroid can step up and make a little bit more T3. That's okay. So you will not have symptoms because the thyroid compensates for a defect in conversion of T4 to T3. Now, once you don't have a healthy thyroid anymore and you only rely on that enzyme to convert T4 to T3, you lost your thyroid and your enzyme has a problem, then the, the, the system is set up to fail because you can't just expect that if you have a faulty enzyme and only treat the patient with levothyroxine, you're going to have normal levels of T3 in the circulation. And that's a little bit naive, uh, but that's how, it, uh, you know, that has, has been like that. Dr. Bianco, some people who need to take thyroid hormone need it because their thyroids have been surgically removed. They don't have any thyroid anymore. Or perhaps they were diagnosed with an overactive thyroid gland with Graves' disease and their thyroids were destroyed with radioactive iodine. That's a medical procedure. So they have no thyroid and, and therefore their thyroid gland couldn't possibly make any additional T3. What about the people like me who actually are hypothyroid because of Hashimoto? What is Hashimoto and do they have the same difficulties? So Hashimoto's disease is an autoimmune disease, meaning the body's immune system is mistaken and the, the system looks at the thyroid gland and doesn't recognize the thyroid gland as being part of the body and tries to destroy it. So in the Hashimoto's disease, there are antibodies against thyroid. The individual is producing antibodies that end up destroying the thyroid. And that process happens very slowly. It doesn't happen overnight. It might take a few months. It might take several months. I mean, it might take years. So in a way, the, there's always a little bit of functional thyroid gland. Let's say the Hashimoto's disease destroyed 50% of the gland, but still another 50% is still working. So we know that those patients that have some residual thyroid gland, they are 
most likely not feel so much uh, the the lack of T4 to T3 conversion because there's still some residual thyroid gland working. Now, unfortunately, the end of all Hashimoto's disease is a total destruction of the thyroid gland. So there could be a honeymoon period during which the thyroid still contributes a little bit, but at the end, after the process is completed and the thyroid is destroyed, then you're going to be just like a patient that had total thyroidectomy or radioactive iodine. Uh, it, it will be, uh, there will be no difference that, between the percentage of patients that feel residual symptoms uh, of hypothyroidism. Dr. Bianco, do we have any idea what causes Hashimoto's disease? Do we have any idea why there is an, I think, I think of it as an epidemic of hypothyroidism uh, in the United States. I don't know about other places in the world, but why are literally tens of millions of people suffering from this condition? We don't understand very well what leads the immune system to not recognize the thyroid gland. Autoimmune diseases actually can occur uh, involving other organs. For example, type 1 diabetes can be the result of autoimmune disease, vitiligo. There, there are a number of autoimmune diseases, but Hashimoto, I, I believe, is probably the most common one. Now, the epidemic in the U.S. for hypothyroidism it's unlikely that the number of cases of Hashimoto's disease is increasing. What's happening is that the threshold for physicians to name someone with hypothyroidism has changed over time. So, you know, TSH levels are about the normal range is between 0.5 and 0.45, and uh, used to be that we would place someone on levothyroxine once that patient had a value greater than 10. Now, many physicians are considering patients with hypothyroidism, even if the TSH levels are below 10, below 7, below 5. And in many cases, even with normal TSH levels, physicians are placing patients on levothyroxine. And this is very concerning. Uh, I actually, uh, the first thing we have to do when approaching a patient with residual symptoms is, do you really have hypothyroidism? Because if the patient was placed on levothyroxine inappropriately, nothing will fix those symptoms that their patient has. You are listening to Dr. Antonio Bianco, professor of medicine at the University of Chicago. He's a former president of the American Thyroid Association and author of Rethinking Hypothyroidism, Why Treatment Must Change and What Patients Can Do. After the break, Dr. Bianco will review the symptoms of hypothyroidism. Why is it so important to get the dose of thyroid hormone exactly right? If people don't do well on levothyroxine alone, what other options do they have? You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is made possible in part by Gaia Herbs. For more than 30 years, Gaia Herbs has nurtured the connection between people and plants to deliver nature's vitality. Their full-spectrum formulas are designed to provide an herb's complete array of beneficial compounds with nothing artificial to get in the way. Learn more at GaiaHerbs.com. That's G-A-I-A Herbs.com. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia, offering its cardio health product with 500 milligrams of cocoflavanols in powder and capsule form. More information at cocovia.com. 
and by Gaia Herbs. Their formulas are designed to provide an herb's complete array of beneficial compounds with nothing artificial. More information at Gaia, G-A-I-A, herbs.com. Today, we're talking about your thyroid gland. Why is it so important to have it functioning properly? Our guest is Dr. Antonio Bianco, professor of medicine at the University of Chicago. His new book is Rethinking Hypothyroidism, Why Treatment Must Change and What Patients Can Do. Dr. Bianco, can you review for us, please, the most common and important symptoms of hypothyroidism? Yes. So the symptoms, uh, the most important symptom is lack of energy. Patients will feel exhausted, uh, unmotivated to do things, and will just not be up to, to do the normal daily activities. In addition to that, we, we have cognitive problems. We have memory problems, difficulty making decisions. Uh, so the cognition is greatly affected. Now, patients with hypothyroidism may experience weight gain. It, it's not uncommon. Uh, constipation is not uncommon. They would feel cold. And it's it's a normal warm day, and the patients will be wearing a, a sweater just because they they don't produce as much heat as normal. And uh, they might have, if it's a woman, might have menstrual problems, dysregulations, irregular menstruation, difficulty uh, getting pregnant. Uh, so there's an array of symptoms, but the, mostly those are the most important ones. Dr. Bianco, let's talk a bit about, number one, why it's so important to treat the thyroid appropriately. You don't want to give thyroid hormone to someone who is not hypothyroid, but we also want to get the dose right, and we need to balance this T4, T3 equation. So let's go back in history and talk a little bit about how doctors first started treating hypothyroidism many decades ago, and then why that approach has fallen into such disfavor today. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Uh, hypothyroidism was identified as a disease in the 19th century, in 1890, around that time, and treatment was rapidly developed as as simple as eating a cow's or a pig's thyroid. So patients would just eat a slice of a pig's thyroid in the morning over breakfast. And uh, that rapidly evolved into someone having the idea of drying the, the pig's thyroid into a powder and packaging into a capsule. And so the patient didn't have to eat the steak, the thyroid steak, but just had a, a tablet, a capsule containing the thyroid powder. And that lasted for about 80 years until 1970. The standard of care for treatment of hypothyroidism was powder of thyroid from a pig. And what happens is that that powder contains two molecules that we're talking about contains T4 and contains T3. Now, in 1970, there was a great discovery. Uh, people in Boston discovered that the body can transform T4 to T3. And the interpretation at that time is that, well, you know what? We don't have to use the pig's thyroid anymore because it's sort of a natural thing it, it's better to have the synthetic molecule, which we know very precisely how much we're giving to patients, and we just use T4 because the body is going to do the job to converting T4 to T3. And that led to Synthroid. Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, of course, the pharmaceutical companies pushed that, that idea as well, right? They wanted to sell Synthroid, and they would say, the reps would say, you know, the, are you actually really giving pig's thyroid to your patients? You want to give something that, you know, clean, synthetic, that we make in the lab, that we know exactly how much it is. And that rhetoric pushed the switch from 
the natural big thyroid to the synthetic molecule of levothyroxine over about 10 years. So that in 1980, it would be just inimaginable that you would be giving desiccated thyroid from a pig to a patient. Now, as I understand it, there's been a lot of um, resistance when patients later on in, say, 1997 or 98 or 2002 would ask their physician, can't I take desiccated thyroid extract instead of Synthroid or Levoxyl because I feel better on the desiccated thyroid extract, doctors would often push back and one of the things that they might say is, we don't know that the doses are standardized. The other thing that they might say, if they were quite sophisticated, is the ratio of T4 to T3 in the extract is not the same as for human thyroid. So how can you address those issues? Or should we even address them? Oh, yeah, I know. I think we should. And, and I think that you raised two very important points. Uh, it used to be that the pharmaceutical companies could not standardize the dose of uh, desiccated thyroid extract because uh, they were looking at iodine content. They, you know, this is too technical. Today, they have a much more sophisticated way of adjusting the levels of T4 and T3. So that, for me, that problem is part of the past. That's not reality anymore. Now... It is true, desiccated thyroid extract contain a little bit more T3 than normally you would use in a, if you place a patient with synthetic levothyroxine plus T3. But that has not been a major problem as long as the patient is properly monitored. Because if you're taking too much desiccated thyroid extract, and because the desiccated thyroid extract contain a little bit more T3, then you might experience big peaks of T3 in the circulation. So T3 would just go up very high. And that's not good because patients will feel palpitation. You know, the heart rate, heart will be racing, a tightness of the chest, sweating, and that's not good. So that means the dose is too high. Obviously, if you monitor the TSH levels while taking desiccated thyroid extract, you eliminate that possibility. You just, that, that's just not going to happen. And the good thing is that we do have clinical trials showing that. There is an idea, oh yeah, I, I, many doctors will say, you know, if you take desiccated thyroid extract, is most likely you're going to be thyrotoxic, meaning you're going to have an excess of thyroid hormone in your body. That's not correct. We have now data from clinical trials showing that if you monitor TSH while taking the desiccated thyroid extract, it is unlikely that you're going to be thyrotoxic. Dr. Bianco, I want to I, I want to delve now into some reasons why we want thyroid hormone levels to be within normal range beyond how it makes us feel. Now, if we don't have enough thyroid, we really do feel awful. Um, <laughs> but there are also other consequences if our thyroid levels get out of whack. And I wonder if you could address some things that we might not think of or might not be able to monitor ourselves, things like pregnancy, things like cardiovascular health, bone health, sure. mental health. Just give us a, a little bit of overview there, please. You're absolutely right. And uh, it works both ends, meaning if you're taking too little or taking too much, both are detrimental for your health. So if you're on levothyroxine, if you're being treated for hypothyroidism, you have to be you know, monitoring that dose of levothyroxine or whatever treatment you're having to ensure that you're not taking too little or too much. If you're taking too much, your TSH levels will be very low, undetectable. And that might have consequences for your bone health. You, you're going to lose bone faster than normal and could lead to osteoporosis and could lead to bone fractures. 
uh, also, if you have a very low TSH reflecting a relative excess of thyroid hormone, you might have cardiovascular problems. The chances that you can have atrial fibrillation increase by three or four fold. That atrial fibrillation is not the, the very common, but you know, even if it's just two or three percent of the population can have atrial fibrillation. If you have too much thyroid hormone, that chance is going to increase to eight, ten percent. So you don't have, you don't want to have that, because if you have an atrial fibrillation, you can uh, form a blood clot that will end up in your brain and having, you know, what's called a stroke. So that's very dangerous. Interestingly, if you're taking too little of thyroid hormone and your TSH is above what it should be, above the normal range, that's also not good. Uh, the heart also doesn't like that. The heart will uh, could have complications in the cardiovascular system. But interesting, we recently found out that if you're going for an elective procedure in, in a hospital and your TSH is slightly above normal range, uh, you're going to have a longer length of stay and you're going to have a higher chance of being readmitted uh, after you're discharged from the hospital. So you really want to keep that TSH within the normal range if you're being treated for uh, hypothyroidism. And, and, and Dr. Bianco, it, just, just a, uh, a short question about if you have too little thyroid, that is to say your TSH is high, what is the impact on cholesterol? Oh, that it's going to go up, right? Uh, in hypothyroidism, uh, the liver cannot handle uh, cholesterol very well. And it, we tend to accumulate cholesterol in the circulation, build up cholesterol, and your LDL levels and total cholesterol will go up. So it's a common feature of hypothyroidism, having a, a higher than normal cholesterol levels. Hopefully, once you're treated and your TSH has been normalized, the idea is that the cholesterol levels will go to the normal range as well. Interesting, we recently found out that patients that are on levothyroxine, meaning they are being treated for hypothyroidism, they are also twice as likely to be on statin medication. So then I actually, I'm not sure if when we adjust the dose of levothyroxine to normalize TSH, we are also restoring the normal physiology of the cholesterol in the liver. So we have to look at that more carefully. So, Dr. Bianco, I know that our listeners, that 20% of patients who don't do well on just levothyroxine alone, want to know, well, what can I do? You know, what, what should my doctor be prescribing? How can I find the sweet spot? Maybe it's desiccated natural thyroid. There's Armour and a number of other brands. But what about a drug like Cytomel, which is pure T3? Doctors can prescribe both T4, levothyroxine, and T3 in the form of Cytomel, which is the brand. And is there some future opportunity where there will be some combination of T4 and T3 that patients can take? Yeah, I think that's a good point. So uh, I think the first approach is to use synthetic levothyroxine in combination with liothyronine. And you, you said that the brand name will be Cytomel. And I think that by making an adjustment of both doses and normalizing TSH levels, you're going to try and hit the sweet spot. Now, many individuals don't realize that by adding T3 to the therapy, we must reduce the dose of levothyroxine. Because otherwise, you're going to become thyrotoxic. That will be an excess of thyroid hormone, right? So you have to create room so that you can add comfortably T3 to the therapy. So you reduce a few micrograms of levothyroxine and introduce a few micrograms of cytomel. Now, uh, that's one approach. And by adjusting both doses, 
you're going to try to hit that sweet spot. Now, many patients don't want to deal with that. And they go straight to the combination therapy combined, which is uh, in the form of natural desiccated thyroid extract, which is the desiccated thyroid, the pig's thyroid. And uh, yeah, I was surprised just the other day, I realized about 1.5 million individuals in the U.S. take desiccated thyroid extract. I was under the impression that the number was much smaller, but in fact, it's a, it's a huge number. So even though we believe the desiccated thyroid extract contains a little bit more T3 than we would normally use with cytomel, uh, patients are taking it, and if they, as long as they control the TSH, it's normal, uh, it should be fine. Uh, I think that we uh, doctors from the thyroid society, endocrine societies, we might say in our guidelines that, oh, well, we, we don't like the pig's thyroid or we don't like desiccated thyroid extract, but we have to review that stance because the reality is we need to help these patients that are taking 1.5 million individuals is a large number. We can't just ignore them. Dr. Bianco, can you tell our listeners one more time what tests they should be talking about with their prescriber, their primary care provider, so that they'll know when their thyroid is functioning perfectly or at least in the sweet spot? Okay. For the diagnosis, to test your thyroid, you should be looking at TSH and something that's called free T4 levels, which are basically T4 levels in the circulation. So the TSH combined with the free T4 are the most sensitive approach, is the most sensitive approach to make the diagnosis of hypothyroidism. Of course, there are rare instances of, for example, central hypothyroidism, secondary hypothyroidism. So TSH doesn't work there, but those are very rare. For 99% of the patients, the TSH combined with the free T4 gives you a great power to diagnose hypothyroidism. Now, when you're being treated for hypothyroidism with levothyroxine only, that is not a good approach. You remember, if you have hypothyroidism, you're not monitoring the thyroid anymore. You're monitoring your therapy. So the TSH alone, or even with the free T4, is not gi giving you the whole picture. If you're being treated for hypothyroidism, you have to monitor the T3 levels as well. Because remember, you were relying on the thyroid to normalize T3. The thyroid is no longer there. You have to make sure you have sufficient levels of T3. Most doctors don't ask for T3 levels when monitoring patients for hypothyroidism, and they should be. Because if the T3 levels are in the lower end of the normal range or even below the normal range, something must be done. And let's establish normal. What would be a quote-unquote normal level for TSH, free T4, free T3? Well, that's, it's hard to establish that because each laboratory will have uh, different standards. Uh, so you could say in general, it's TSH is between 0.45 and 4.5 microunits per ml, but that can vary according to the method, according to the laboratory. For Free T4, you have between 10 and 20 picomolar in the circulation. But again, that can vary. And for T3, you usually look at total T3 levels, and you're looking at probably between 80 nanograms per 100 mLs to about 180 nanograms per dL. But again, these are intrinsic to each laboratory and each method. We should rely on the, when we get the results, the laboratory will provide, will give you the normal reference range for that method, for that test. For a long time, 
patients felt that when they brought symptoms to a doctor's attention, they were dismissed. They weren't taken seriously. Why do you suppose doctors weren't paying attention to patients? Uh, Because, number one, those symptoms are very generic. I feel tired. You know, uh, the doctor, uh, if a patient has been treated for hypothyroidism and say, you know, I feel tired, the doctor is thinking, well, I'm tired too, and I don't have hypothyroidism. So a lot of conditions can cause low energy. And so the doctor was happy that the TSH was normal. The doctor learned that when the TSH is normal, everything should be normal. Then the patient complaining and the TSH normal, you know, are two things that don't match. So the patients say, the doctors say, well, this is just not related to your thyroid. You must be looking at something else to explain your low energy or fatigue. Dr. Bianco, endocrinologists like yourself, who are very expert, really have a lot of information at their fingertips when they're treating patients. But a lot of people with hypothyroidism go to a doctor who is perhaps internal medicine, family medicine, someone who is very capable of taking care of a wide range of problems, but not very expert in endocrinology. Those doctors may be using guidelines to tell them how patients should be treated. Do the guidelines need to be changed? Yes, I I absolutely believe the guidelines to be seen need to be changed, and uh, to they have to be updated. And I think that the first approach to patients that have residual symptoms of hypothyroidism is to say okay, let's eliminate all the other causes. Once we eliminate all the other causes, we cannot find another explanation. We should say, yes, you are part of something that we know what it is. We recognize that maybe 10, 20% of the patients don't feel completely fine. And I believe what you're telling me that you're tired, and this is probably related to your thyroid gland. I think that in my experience, just telling that to the patient is amazing. The patients say, finally, I found someone that believes me because I have been dismissed over and over again. We, we asked patients, and they had been changing doctors seven, eight, more than 10 times because they want someone that believes what they're saying. Number one, that's, that's the, the part A of the approach. Part two is, I'm going to work with you and try to resolve your problem. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience because we will have to make small adjustments of the doses of T4. I'm going to have to put you on T3 and it will take time, but you you need to be patient. And so that is really important. Set the right expectation with the patient. Now, I realize internists, might not have the time or the expertise or the willingness to do this. So patients with residual symptoms should perhaps look for a specialist, for a thyroid doctor that is willing to take the patient through the hand and take through this process. Dr. Antonio Bianco, thank you so much for talking with us on The People's Pharmacy today and for writing Rethinking Hypothyroidism. Thank you, Terry. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You've been listening to Dr. Antonio Bianco. He's a professor of medicine and a member of the Committee on Molecular Metabolism and Nutrition at the University of Chicago, where he runs a laboratory funded by the National Institutes of Health to study thyroid hormones. Dr. Bianco is a former president of the American Thyroid Association and author of Rethinking Hypothyroidism, Why Treatment Must Change and What Patients Can Do. Lynn Siegel produced today's show, Al Wodarski engineered, Dave Graydon edits our interviews, B.J. Lederman composed our theme music. This show is a co-production of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, with The People's Pharmacy. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia, maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements that support cognitive and cardiovascular health. 
More information at cocovia.com. And by Gaia Herbs. Their formulas are designed to provide an herb's complete array of beneficial compounds with nothing artificial, connecting people, plants, and planet to create healing. More information at Gaia, G-A-I-A, herbs.com. Today's show is number 1,330. You'll find it online at peoplespharmacy.com. That's where you can share your comments. Our interviews are available through your favorite podcast provider. You'll find the show on our website on Monday morning. This week's podcast includes extra information about testing the thyroid, what are normal levels for TSH, free T4, and free T3. Healthcare professionals often rely upon guidelines to determine the best treatment. Do guidelines for hypothyroidism need to change? At peoplespharmacy.com, you can sign up for our free online newsletter to get the latest news about important health stories. By subscribing to our newsletter, you also have regular access to our weekly podcast. You can find out ahead of time which topics we'll be covering. In Durham, North Carolina, I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Thanks for listening. Please join us again next week. Thank you for listening to the People's Pharmacy Podcast. It's an honor and a pleasure to bring you our award-winning program week in and week out. But producing and distributing this show as a free podcast takes time and costs money. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us continue to produce high-quality, independent healthcare journalism, please consider chipping in. All you have to do is go to peoplespharmacy.com slash donate. Whether it's just one time or a monthly donation, you can be part of the team that makes this show possible. Thank you for your continued loyalty and support. We couldn't make our show without you.